Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. So our scripture lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. So if you would join me in your Bible or your Bible app or the Pew Bible in front of you, join me there, Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, so that you may have all endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious Lord, we gather this morning to hear your word read and proclaimed as we realize that we are in this magnificent kingdom. May you speak so clearly to us that we would know who we are and whose we are. That you would speak so clearly to us that we would know what we are to do and who we are to be in the world around us. Speak so clearly to us, O Lord, that we would leave this time with you and go out in the world not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. So you think about our country, for a country that was founded on this whole idea of rebellion and revolution, basically rejecting a monarchy, we have a really strange fascination with the monarchy when you think about it. I mean, you spend a little bit of time in the tabloid aisles at the grocery store, and there's all these articles, we're intrigued by royal weddings. We love a good royal scandal and a little bit of royal drama, don't we? I mean, we like to get caught up in it. We love the idea of castles and maybe even tracing our bloodline, hoping that we might be some distant cousin of some earl or lord or duke or maybe even yet a prince or princess, possibly a king or a queen somewhere. 
And then when we get to the royal funerals, we are also intrigued by those as well, this marking of time, this changing of the guard, if you will. Just this past summer after Queen Elizabeth passed, there was a meme that circulated all across the internet that was written by an American sort of to England saying, we mourn with you. To you, she was the monarch and the monarchy, but to us, she was the queen. As if we wanted to grab a little bit of the coattails of the royal robe to claim her also for ourselves. So despite the fact that our country was founded on this idea of rebellion and revolution, maybe our fascination with monarchs and kingdoms and monarchies, maybe our subconscious telling us that what we really long is to belong to something greater than ourselves, something bigger than who we are. Maybe we desire to have someone rule over us, to care for us, to lead us, to show us the way to be. If that's really, if you really drill down on who you are and where you are in life, if that's really what you've distilled and you figured it out, that that maybe is a a short of truth, I've got good news for you. We are part of something bigger. We are part of something greater than ourselves, something greater than our national identity, greater than our own identity. We are a part of the kingdom of God. And what better way to celebrate our citizenship and that, our belonging to that, than this last Sunday of the liturgical year? This Christ the King Sunday, when we celebrate being a part of that kingdom, when we remember that Christ rules over us, that Christ shows us the way, that Christ cares for us, lifts us up when we fall, and Christ sets the example for us. In the passage that we just read together from Colossians, Paul is running the church and he's making it clear to Colossae that they have a king in heaven, that they are a part of this kingdom, if you will, that Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This passage is one of the best passages, one of maybe the greatest passages, it's sort of Christological mindset, it's sort of on par with John 1, 1. You know, John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and that everything that was created was created through the Word. This idea that there is something greater than us. And so Paul is telling the church a big picture image of the power, the divinity, the lordship of Christ. So it leaves no doubt for us who it is that we are to follow. In fact, as we begin to read this and unpack this text, we'll begin to understand that we are citizens, that we are the baptized, that we are members of that kingdom that the church is the kingdom here on earth and that peace and reconciliation, that's the currency of the kingdom these days. So when we begin to focus on these three points, these ideas of, of citizenship and the work of the church and the currency of peace and reconciliation, that we begin to realize that we are part of not only something bigger than ourselves, but that we can be a force of change for the world around us. This idea of belonging matters to us, doesn't it? I mean, think about this. Think back to your middle school days or those of you that are middle schoolers in here. I mean, the rule of middle school, right, is you want to belong. You don't want to stand out. You want to belong. You want to be a part of the herd. It's really, there's protection in that. The sense of belonging. And so one of the best ways that you do is, well, middle schoolers, they all dress the same. Think about this. 
Now, some of you are of the era, you'll know this. Some of you from middle school, it was arrow shirts or bobby socks. For others, it was the members-only jacket or maybe Uggs or Lululemon. Maybe it was wearing the same sweatshirt and shorts that all of your friends wore, even when it's 40 degrees below zero. You laugh, but it's about belonging. But see, belonging in the kingdom of heaven is about more than just fitting in with a herd. It's about protection. It's about being valued. It's about being mattered. It's about having an example set for us. So Paul, in writing verses 13 and 14, this is what he says. He says, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What Paul is talking about, he's talking about our baptism. What we just witnessed down here below with Reese, what experiences on a regular basis where somebody moves from the kingdom being ruled by sin and darkness to being ruled by the light and the goodness of God's grace and forgiveness. See, at our baptism vows, we die to sin and we are reborn. We come rising up out of the water and the spirit in Christ. It's in that moment that we are a part of the kingdom. Our vows mean that we are claimed by Christ. Our vows mean that we are claimed by this body of believers as being a member of it that we will always belong no matter where we go, no matter where we roam in the world, that we will always have a home in the kingdom of God. We can walk in a church on the other side of the country, the other side of the globe, and we walk in and we feel at home because we are followers of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. This idea of citizenship has so much power. It's, it gives you privileges. It gives you rules. It gives you an identity. When we think about that in terms of a geopolitical sense. Well, citizenship in the kingdom of heaven is no different. It's even better. Because we belong to a kingdom that has no boundaries. That we can cross all the geopolitical boundaries of our world and we will still belong because we still have brothers and sisters around the globe who look out for us as we look out for them. Because see, the church is the kingdom alive on earth. I think about just a few weeks ago, All Saints Sunday, we talked about the church militant and the church triumphant. You know, the church militant, that's us fighting the good fight, trying to live out the gospel, trying to change the world here on earth by our gifts, our talents, our hands, hoping that we will be brought into the kingdom of heaven, the church triumphant. We know our hope is there. But while we're here on earth, we have a calling. We have work to do. So in verse 18, Paul speaks of Christ. He says, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the end, the firstborn of creation, the firstborn from the dead, that we, that he might be the first in everything. In other words, Christ is the one in charge. Make no mistake about it. Christ is the head of the church, the kingdom of God on earth. So what does it mean if we decide to let the work of the church be under the lordship of Christ? that we seek Christ's will in everything that we do, in our mission, our vision, our values, our passions, right here at Centenary, if we let Christ lead the way, 
What would it look like if we follow Christ's example that we heal the sick, that we feed the hungry, that we liberate the oppressed, that we care for the world around us? See, the idea of this kingdom, if you will, this kingdom of God is that Christ rules, not our desires, not our egos, not our wants, not our preferences, but what is it that Christ is calling us to do? Imagine what the transformation that could happen, not only in this congregation, but in the world around us, if we looked at the issues that face the world, if we seriously looked at what faces the world, at our denomination, at our church, and we asked the question, what would Jesus do? Or even better yet, how would Jesus act? How does Jesus want us to act with these issues, with these concerns? How would Jesus want us to act? It sort of leaves the question that we need to be more like Jesus. You know, think about it. Jesus welcomes people. How welcoming are we? And every week I ask you to turn and greet your neighbor. If I don't do it this week, will you do it? Will you turn and greet your neighbor? Will you say how glad you are to see him? When you see someone walking on the street as you come across, do you invite them to come in? Do you say, we're so glad you're here. Would you join us in worship? Do we welcome each other or do we judge each other? Jesus prays, how often do we pray for what is happening in the world around us? How often do we pray for the church, for the world? Jesus prayed and he prayed intently. I love the fact that Jesus spent time in silence. But remember that evening in the garden, Jesus prayed so earnestly, he sweated blood. When was the last time you prayed where you wore your knees out? Jesus seeks the lost. What would our church look like if we sought the lost in the world? People that needed what we have found here to be a part of this kingdom and know that there's something greater than themselves, that they could be a part, they could belong with us, that they could fit in. And Jesus loves You know, sometimes I think that we try like so many other things in life, we try to make life complicated. Remember, Jesus loves, I think back to Carl Barth, he said, you know, what is it, the greatest thing I've ever learned? Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me. So what if we just loved each other and loved the world? See, that's what it means to be in the kingdom of God, is to follow Jesus. That Christ our King compels us to be the church, to be the kingdom here on earth, so that all the world knows that they are a part of something bigger and invite them into the family. And as we do that, we begin to realize that this kingdom has a certain currency. In verse 20, Paul writes, through him, God was pleased to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. See, friends, this spells out the kind of kingdom that we belong to. This indicates that the currency of the kingdom is peace and reconciliation. These are the hallmark standards by the way we live and how we should operate. I mean, I think of three times when Jesus was on the cross. That first time he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Or earlier in his ministry, one of the disciples said, how often should I forgive my neighbor? And he says, what does the law say? The law says seven times, and Jesus says, nay, seven times seventy meaning forgive over and over again to the point of having grace for each other. Or he says, beloved, love one another as I have loved you. 
Say that and look in the mirror at yourself and realize how Christ has loved you. When I think about that and realize how Christ has loved me, and then I think, do I love my neighbor that same way? Oh, that's convicting. And that challenges me to go out and to pass this peace and reconciliation out in the world around me. Friends, that's the nature of our work, to bring peace and forgiveness to the world, to show grace and love with a world that desperately needs it. I mean, think about it. The world so needs it. I mean, I think the greatest day this month for me has been November the 9th. Do you know why? Because I could turn the TV on and there wasn't a certain ad. You know it too. There wasn't talk for at least 24 hours. There wasn't talk about politics. We were all waiting for the results, but there wasn't talk. There weren't ads. It was like, thank you, Jesus, I've been delivered. And then it starts back up again, doesn't it? But what if we as followers of Christ, what if we took this currency to heart, this peace and reconciliation, and said even in any kind of a political season, even when some of us are blue and some of us are red, what if we said there's a better way? There's a better way to relate to each other. What if we could leverage our relationships and even in the midst of a political season where some of us are red and some of us are blue, that we could coexist in a place like the church? What if we could coexist and we could seek God's will? I mean, that's what's happening here in Colossians. That's what Paul is challenging the people to do, to seek God's currency of peace and reconciliation, even with your differences. So that at the end, if you notice in the back of the bulletin in the section on justice and reconciliation, there's a class that we're offering in the turn of the year called the Colossian Way. Hmm. The Colossian Way, and we just read from Colossians. Huh. But this idea that we can have different viewpoints, but we can come together and that we can grow together. So if you want to figure out how to bring peace and reconciliation to the world, even with people that differ from you, then I encourage you to talk to Doug Haynes or Suzanne Appermanis because they are passionate about this, hoping to help our world be better, to trade in this currency of peace and reconciliation because that's the calling and the work of the church. So it's Thanksgiving week. My guess is that you've got friends coming in or you're going over to friends' houses or you've got family. You probably haven't done all your grocery shopping or even if you think you have, let's be honest, you're probably going out to the grocery store at least once more before Thursday. And my guess is you're going to stand in the line and there are going to be the tabloids and who knows, maybe there'll be an article about the royals. And when you see that, you it's okay to be intrigued. But remember this, you already have a king in heaven Christ the King, and that we are beloved citizens of that kingdom. That we as baptized members, that we are citizens, that the church is the realm of the kingdom and the currency is peace and reconciliation. And so this week, let us be about the work of the kingdom because the time is now and the world desperately needs it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.